Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Distraction Pieces Podcast, episode 265. Um, thank you for tuning in. I'm going to keep the intro brief this week um, so we can get straight into that good, tasty chat. Thanks for all the love that came in for the Nish Kumar episode last week. This week's guest is Ed Gamble, um, who we talked about in the Nish episode. And in this episode, we talk about Nish. So um, that's, that's, that's some crossover stuff going on there. Things I need to, t- to tell you about in the intro, as I said, I'm going to try and keep this brief. Um, Ed is doing two specials or two performances of his special, two filmings of his special um, on May 12th at the Leicester Square Theatre. So get down there. It's great. If you're not already listening to Off Men, you, you need to get on with that. Um, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. It is great. But what's going to be great is something that we announce in this episode that involves myself, Ed Gamble, and James Acaster. I think you're going to get quite excited about it. I hope to see you barrage all three of us with um, social media uh, torrents of excitement. Um, yeah. Oh, I want to talk about it now, but that'll ruin it. We're going to talk about it in the episode. It's fine. There's some exciting crossover potential ahead so we i won't say any more than that um on patreon.com slash scroobius pip it's poem of the month time coming up on monday which is where you get a free spoken word piece from me and then a couple of weeks after that it will be the distraction pieces rewind which has been going down a treat which is a bonus podcast every third monday um, of the month and it's where i give some kind of behind the scenes stuff in fact i've been given a lot of behind the scenes stuff that I maybe shouldn't be giving but it's behind a pay it's hidden on patreon it's I, I mean it's a paywall that's only a dollar a month high but still I don't think I'm going to get in trouble if you all keep it a secret but, but yeah that's all over there speech development com. as ever you know that if you like the podcast and want to support by buying a distraction pieces mug a distraction pieces t-shirt all sorts of scroobius pip stuff there's my live Edinburgh Fringe show. Then head over to speechdevelopmentrecords.com. But um, I don't need to say much more than that. If you enjoyed uh, this episode, you might want to go all the way back in the archives and listen to my episode with James Acaster, which was at least three years ago. It was before he kind of became the the comedy behemoth that, that he has become. So, so it's a pretty cool little early insight. In fact, a lot of comedians that we talk about and praise on this podcast, I've had on the podcast in the past. So um, if you want to check any of those previous guests, it's a hell of a back catalogue. It goes back over f- f- five years, so so I have a good old browse. But other than that, I'll see you at the end. I'll give you a little bit of information about Pod Bible and other things. Just, I mean, essentially, Pod Bible is where you go and hear about new podcasts. So I've told you that now. But anyway... This is episode 265 of the Distraction Pieces podcast with the wonderful Mr. Ed Gamble. This piece of fiction is the intro to Distraction Pieces. This piece of fiction is the intro to Distraction Pieces. This piece of fiction is the intro to Distraction Pieces. This piece of fiction is the intro to Distraction Pieces. It's going to be a lovely little chat. I'm looking forward to this. So am I. Well, we shall begin. Nice. 
I'm joined today by Ed Gamble. How are you, sir? All right, mate. Thank you. Very well. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. And this is nice because I've been on your podcast and now I get to have you on mine. You were the debut debut guest on our podcast. Yeah. And how's it all been since then? Because it's blown up and it's It's been great. Not to kiss your ass. It's on my. Short, there's a long list of podcasts I, I listen to, but Off Menu is on the short list of podcasts that I, I never miss an episode. Oh, that's very nice. Because it is, you. I just love the format. Again, while I was discussing it with the guys at Acast earlier, is because of the format and because of the way you and James are with it, even if it's someone I've not heard of, you kind yeah. of you you just want to hear about food and stuff and what they're. And you what tend they're to eating. learn a lot about people, right? Through, yeah, through the food choices. But yeah, I think we were really happy with the format. But I think initially, I tend to overthink things. So when we first came up with it, yeah. I think my first thought was, "It's very simple. <laughs> yeah. It's very simple <laughs> yeah. format. Just asking people their dream meal and yeah. dream sort of starter, main dessert, side, and drink." Yeah. Um, but then that's that's all you need, really, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think it's the perfect balance because if you'd gone any more complex, you'd potentially struggle at times for guests. Yes. Because guests are all right with doing a little bit of prep. A tiny bit of prep. But they don't want a fucking no. week's homework exactly. to be coming in with, here is my dissertation yeah. on my yeah. main meal. And most people, I think, I find like <laughs> most people who are busy or doing things within the media will just think about things in the car on the way there anyway. Yeah, yeah. So, People will normally turn up and go, okay, what what was this again? Yeah. And yeah. then, but they, most people have got that stuff about food logged. That's the beauty Ready of it. to go. You've, yeah. You've got your most natural go-tos. Uh, Brett Goldstein's films to be buried with podcast, yeah. I adore. But also I think, I guarantee there's some guests who are like, I need a bit more time to think about that. Because there's like a bit of prep. Yeah. With films, for some reason, there's that connection and real, yeah, exactly. I don't want to commit to anything. Um, I did his ages ago, and I've already changed about five my days. Yes, yeah, in fact, f- from listening to yours, oh really? There's been several things I'm like, oh yeah, maybe I, sh- I, yeah. I should have gone f- for that for a side, or should have gone for this and that. Yeah. Oh no, I love that podcast so much. But you're right, the, ca- the categories, people, you really need to, you really need to think about yeah, it. I did man. Blood on the Tracks recently as well. Oh, and that's I love that podcast. How was that? It was really fun. Yeah. But I spent ages thinking about that, and I feel like. You know when you arrive at something, you know you've put in the most prep out of everyone. Yeah. And Colin is such a piece of shit with it. (laughs) It makes it competitive. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It makes it like it would be easy to go, you know, it's all a bit of fun. He's like, no, there is going to be a winner. Yeah. And there are going to be three losers. Yeah. Um, This is is real. And my my music taste (laughs) is so against everything else that any other guest on those sorts of things would normally pick, I think. Yeah. I try to go mainstream for what I like and people were still like, this is very loud. eh?" This is what's what's going on. Uh, What is your music taste? Let's go... Go into that again. I I like doing. Obviously, you've got your 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 special to promote, but in general, I try and get people when there's not too much that they have to push or promote. Yeah, so sure. I mean, I'm never, anything anything. Yeah, I'm never really pushing anything. Yeah. I think let's talk about music for a bit. Well, because again, I've got hints of it from off menu. Yeah, and I grew up into punk and hardcore. Sure. And again, on off menu, James Lofter mentioned that you've got. Dark, scary tattoos, and, and, and you listen to angry music, and it's always me going. Well, that sounds that sounds f- familiar. Let's, yeah, let's yeah, hear yeah, more on yeah. it. So, what kind of stuff are you? Well, I'd say broadly metal, but yeah. sort of. Uh, I said this to Colin Murray that my 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 taste is quite broad, but yeah. then I say metal, and then I like punk and hard rock as well. Yeah, but that that's not broad, is it? Really? No, 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 exactly. <laughs> but for, all from within that world, I would say. Yeah, yeah. I love it. I went to see. Um, this is going to catch you off guard, potentially. Go on. But I went to see 
wrestler Chris Jericho, his band Fozzy. Okay, yeah, yeah, Because yeah. he's got like a hair metal type band. Sure. And I'd had him on the podcast, and I'm a fan of wrestling. And I went to the gig like, this is going to be so awkward and cringy. Ten minutes in, as soon as you let go of it, yeah. it was one of the most fun gigs I've ever been to. Because that area of metal yeah. isn't an area I've ever been particularly into. Yeah, They're kind yeah. of really over the top, yeah. oh, like really screaming. And yeah, 10 minutes in, I was like, this is one of the best gigs I've ever been to. Because yeah. everyone in the crowd isn't trying to be cool. No one is trying no. to think about anyone. They're just enjoying that. That sort of music has not moment. been cool since the 80s. So. No, Darkness had a go. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, other But they that, embraced the ridiculousness of yeah. it as well, didn't they? Yeah. yeah. And that was exactly clear. I yeah, love that's, that. that's a, it's a really smooth transition from wrestling to that sort of music, I think, because yeah. it's so performative and it's so such over a the performance. top. Yeah. He's great. I, I, um, emceed the Metal Hammer Golden God Awards a couple oh, of years wow. ago yeah, and he yeah. was, he was hosting. Yeah. So I had to intro him to the stage and, uh, Clutch and Mastodon were playing. Who wow, were two of my favourite bands yeah. of all time. So that was really exciting. He's such a good dude, and he knows his. It's so weird because it felt like for ages, Fozzy were looked down upon because it was a, a wrestler doing a band. Sure, and then yeah. all of a sudden they were embraced by every other band, and everyone yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they seem to be everyone's favourite. Because again. On paper, it seems ridiculous. Yeah. If you get to it, you're like, oh, this is wonderful. Also, <laughs> what a lovely I, think, man. I think they earned a bit of cred because it's clearly he wants to do it and that's what he's committed to doing yeah. rather than you see so many actors or like uh, wrestlers or anything, yeah. or comedians going, I'm going to have a band for a bit and then they'll like tour it once and do one album. But he's yeah. like, he's 100% down he'll to He'll be at the, the top of his, his wrestling game and he'll take a year off yeah, to yeah, tour. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, you're literally headlining WrestleMania. He's like, no, yeah. no, I've got a tour book, so I'm yeah, gonna be, yeah. we've got a new album out. We're going to be focusing on that next year. So <laughs> it's great. I love that shit. Have you? Did you go to, to gigs a lot as a kid? Yeah, I went to quite a lot of gigs as a kid when I was when I was allowed. Were you London? Yeah, London upbringing. based. Yeah, 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 so it was great. So you know, there was loads of gigs that I could. Uh, what kind to. of stuff did you did you catch? Have you got first, any standouts or first? First gig was Corn at Wembley Arena. Amazing, which was incredible. Yeah, that was a really exciting. That was a really exciting one. Were you drawn into the new metal kind of? Yeah, because that's the sort of. So I was about thirteen. Corn or 14. were just kind of outside of that, but yeah, I was massively yeah Limp Bizkit, Papa Roach, totally. all of that. That Papa Roach weirdly was a sort of a yeah, now, second generation new metal, so I'd sort 100%. of strayed away from it then. So Corn obviously is like first, yeah. But then I started getting into it in ninety eight, ninety nine, yeah, when it all really kicked off. So Slipknot, System of a Down, yeah, with the two Deftones as well, yeah, were the sort of main bands that I was yeah. really, really into. And Corn at Wembley Arena was was an amazing gig, I and imagine. I went to like a Slipknot signing. Uh, uh, on Virgin uh, Virgin Megasaur oh, on Oxford Street. When I was 18, I briefly tried to l- live in America on my own, which was a terrible idea. Yeah. I'd saved some money to go travelling with a mate. Turns out he hadn't saved any. And I kind of <laughs> went, well, I've saved it, yeah. so I can either not go or go. And I went and didn't think about the fact that you need to be 21 to go anywhere interesting in yeah. America. So 18 on my own. But one of the things I did do was go and see S- S- Slipknot in in America, yeah, and it was the first time I saw the proper kind of American slam dancing, yeah. Because I'd been in tons of mosh pits in the yeah. UK, but in over there when they do the full arm swinging, it's they're doing terrifying. spin kicks, it's terrifying and stuff like that. And I was l- literally just there on my own, just like, 
I don't know what's going on. I'd mainly gone because Head PE was supporting. Right, I, re- okay. I really, I really liked That's Head incredible. PE at the time. <laughs> so, but I stuck around for Slipknot as well. And yeah, I think. Uh, oh no, I guess Head PE weren't supporting Corn at Wembley Arena. It was POD. So P-O-D, I'm getting of mixed up with my was... acronym, acronym See, P-O-D, metal bands. Weirdly, re- were really religious. Yeah, they were Christian, right? Payable, payable, payable on, on death. death. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, POD was a weird one. That was, but again, it was the era which I hope has passed, um, but it was an era I was surrounded by in my local area, but it was the era when white people with dreadlocks was very much an acceptable thing. Oh, especially um, in the world of new metal, right? Yeah, it was yeah. massive. It was really... <laughs> I think it's why Head PE jumped out to me, because it's like, yeah. oh, they've got an actual black person in there. Right, so yeah, it's yeah. like, this doesn't feel weird anymore. <laughs> it's not someone just, yeah. But that was madness. I, I had... I had Wes Borland on the podcast, and, and Wes has, has become a mate over the years. And it was mad yeah. talking to him because he went through the same thing as all Limp Biscuit fans. He yeah. went through a period of going, "This is so shit," <laughs> and this is this is so so rubbish. And then he's kind of come back round again and accepted it, which is similar. I've had some Limp Biscuit songs c- 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 come on in recent years yeah. and gone, "Break stuff's a tune." I know, I know, oh, I know, I know it's not mate, cool, but it's a complete tune. <laughs> Like, I think I like I like Limp Bizkit more now than I did yeah. back in the day because I think I got I got so seriously into it and they were still a bit sort of they were like frowned upon with they were the, such yeah, a pop version serious of rock yeah. world but now around rolling time around rolling yeah, when they became too big it was like no this is frat boy shit it was alternative music that had transcended the alternative it yeah. was it was now the frat boy stuff and you're like well. Because that first that first album, yeah. they were on. Because I had this VHS of the Family Values tour, yes. which was them, Corn, Ramstein, and yes. Orgy. Yes, uh, and uh, and they were kind of that was their first album, and they were, they were, people were excited about them. And then they did that George Michael they had cover. The cover of Faith. Yeah. yeah, that was brilliant. Uh, and then second album was got a bit bigger, and then the third album was huge, and that's when everyone else sort of turned off them a little bit, and yeah. they became like a huge like frat boy thing. A significant other. That was the second one, I think. Yeah, and that was yeah, my yeah. era of Limbus. I was yeah. like, this is great. It's big, but it's... Yeah, it's a good album. kind of, at that point, because we didn't really have that much going on on the internet, it had to be reasonably big for us to have it in the UK. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's, it's one of them. It's like, you can't be that underground or yeah. I can't hear it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I can yeah. read about it, but can't listen to it. Yeah. So yeah, that was the kind of, the perfect Limp Bizkit era. I'm trying to think of, of, of who else that time. I always remember I got put off System of a Down because of how big they got and how right, god okay. they got. And the, th- the only reason was I was at my local alternative club, which I only went to a few times. It was called The Fat Surfer. And there was bands and there was music in between. And they were playing some music and they played a System of a Down song. And then they went on to like a Green Day song or something. Yeah. And I love Green Day, stuff like that. And the crowd all linked arms and jumped up and down chanting system, system <laughs> until they played another system of a down song. And at that point I went, fuck this lot. This is this, ruining Green this Day is a, for me. They're ruining, they're ruining Green Day and Offspring for me. And that's the real music. Yeah, that's the proper underground shit, right? <laughs> they're not playing all the underground but, stuff like Green Day and Offspring. But again, I think there's such an overlooked thing in that area of music. And particularly when you look back is bands like Green Day and Offspring, for example, and Limp Bizkit, they're the ones that were gateways to then yes, get into yeah, yeah. Lagwagon and, and, and Screeching Weasels and just all sorts yeah, yeah. of more obscure punk yeah. bands. And it's like, at that age, you're so predetermined to kind of go, oh, they're big now, I'm not into them, they're yeah. sold out. Whereas when you look back, I said, you can kind of give that respect to, yeah. well, I, I wasn't ready for, for those other bands. I needed yeah. Limp Bizkit or, or whatever. Incubus was one that I always felt never got, the praise that they deserved 
for their early stuff. Their early albums I absolutely thought were a work of art, and Inc- then they got very poppy. Incubus were one of those bands that I was uh, sort of naturally against when I because I was like a proper little mm-hmm. like mangy grunger. Yeah. So I was like, oh no, he's too pretty. He takes his top off. So pretty. Yeah. <laughs> so I didn't like them because yeah. he was all pretty. Well, that was it. It was the point that he did. They had that. Um, was it Are You In or Wish You Were Here or something? It's, it's Wish You Were wish Here, you were think, here yeah. where he took his top off in the video and yeah. he had his cool, faint red tattoos. Yeah, yeah. And he was like the coolest shit. Playing bongos and shit. And that I was can't. It. At that point, I was like, no. Nah. <laughs> I had the first album where they were screaming and they were like 18 and it was the yeah. most intense thing ever. And <laughs> it's a bizarre one. So, so what was your kind of upbringing I, I like and when did comedy come into it? Like you say, you were kind of the the grungy metally kids yeah that doesn't necessarily open itself up to but it kind of like I, I say i was a grungy metally kid but that's within like quite a i was at quite a posh school yeah, like not yeah, boarding yeah. school but as posh as you can get without it being boarding yeah, school i'd yeah. say um so it wasn't like we were all separated into different like tribes like yeah. some sort of film like we we're all pretty posh and i just happened to like heavy music yeah. so you know and i was always the i was always the bit of a class clown sounds such a stereotype no, no, but no. i just i've always pissed about basically yeah yeah, yeah. perfect <laughs> um and i was always interested i was always interested in comedy i think and uh my mum i always i always credit my mum with take she took me to see in i guess 1999 as well uh steve coogan's man who thinks he's it oh, live wow. tour because we were just walking past the theater one day in london that's and I think amazing. I was like aware of Alan Partridge. Yeah. And they had the poster up. And I remember just going, we, we could go and see that. She's like, yeah, come on, we'll go and buy you tickets now. So we just walked into the box office and bought tickets. Yeah. Um, and he did, yeah, he did. Um, That's amazing. Partridge and Paul and Paul in Yeah, I, I love, yeah. I, I used to watch the the, the video yeah, the vi- constantly. Was that, that the video two that had a Simon Pegg Simon on Pegg as well? and Julia Davis. Just, yeah. just when he's... I like you. You're a bit punky. Yeah. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> One of the guys on our tour would do that to do, not, yeah, yeah. do it just slightly to make us laugh. We'd be at a new venue. We're like, yeah. I like her. She's a bit punky. <laughs> it's just so good. Because all of the – that video is amazing because <laughs> of all of the backstage stuff yeah. and all of the interviews with, with Steve Coogan, the character. Yeah. It, it's so good. And there's a whole running bit, which – I always quote when when anyone gets a bad review or I get a bad review, or I get annoyed about it. He's really annoyed that he's got a bad review. And he's yeah. going, the thing is, I don't care. I just need to let it roll off me. Um, and then he pulls out this weapon that he's made. But if I ever meet him, I've designed this, this fish hook. <laughs> and it doesn't hurt going in. But when it comes out, it pulls a chunk of your cheek out. Yeah, it's so good. And that was just, I mean, that's an am- amazing style of comedy to be yeah. exposed to at a reasonably a, a young age. Right? Yeah, so What's I was that going to be 17... 16, no, 17, no, no. 18? Earlier than that, Earlier so than that. 14 maybe. So, so 14, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah, yeah, Again, he was doing a lot of characters and it was at a period when character comedy had gone completely out of fashion. Mm-hmm. It wasn't kind of the done thing. It was far more at that point you'd, you'd had your revolution in comedy. You had your, your new comedy and your, and, and, and your left-wing comedy and all this kind of thing. Yeah. Alternative comedy. So how was that to go in there and see someone who's putting on so many different I always felt with that era of Coogan, it felt like it should be kind of sh- sh- shit Butlin's cabaret. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but it's not. It's, br- it's br- brilliant. It felt like it's you could see someone show. doing at Butlin's at that weekend, he's doing f- f- five characters and yeah, one of them's yeah. a lounge singer <laughs> and one of them's in drag. Literally yeah, everything yeah. he does yeah. would all fit there, yet it was fucking brilliant. Yeah, it was an incredibly well put together show. Yeah. And, yeah, and Simon Pegg and Julia Davis doing stuff yeah. on that show as well. 
Amazing. Yeah, absolutely amazing. So that sort of, I think that started me being really interested in, yeah. in comedy. I remember, that, like, this, so the school I went to, they had the Cambridge Footlights came and toured and did a show in our theatre right, as well. wicked. So I probably went to that when I was, like, 16 or 17. Yeah. Um, and that blew me away. Yeah. And I applied to go to Cambridge the next day because of it. Wow. And did not get in. But I love, <laughs> I, I, I love that there is an area of people who are after going to one of the best, most prestigious schools in the country yeah. for the comedy. Totally. For the footlights. And they're generally, particularly at that time when you've had your Stephen Fry's and all of these yeah. kind of come through that. I love that. It's like the kind of an artistic version of in America where you get a scholarship because of your football. Yeah, yeah, It's yeah. like, I'm in Cambridge, but just for my comedy. Oh, I would have <laughs> killed, like, I loved, terrible would have loved maths, the scholarship <laughs> yeah. if they'd done that looked into my comedy and I got, I'd got in got there because of that. Scholarship. That was the only way I was going to get in there. Certainly not. I applied for philosophy and I didn't know what it was really. Brilliant. Well, that's kind of the perfect place <laughs> yeah, to be yeah, with yeah, philosophy. Yeah. But what is philosophy? <laughs> they don't fall for that shit at Cambridge, Imagine unfortunately. Imagine if you like that. <laughs> the real question is, what is philosophy? <laughs> You're oh. in. <laughs> Can you teach? <laughs> so how did that go? You, so you didn't didn't get into Cambridge, but you'd had people like the the Footlights exposed to you, and you'd had Partridge. Yeah. So what kind of? And I was, was going to stand up clubs as well when I was sixteen or seventeen. Oh, so wicked. I'd go. Uh, there was so I grew up in Wimbledon, and there was a, there was a stand up club yeah. every Friday, and I'd go like once, twice a month to that. And do you remember anyone you kind of see in that era? I know club scene it's normally yeah it's difficult and it was like a laughing horse club and they're they're still going but there's sort of a lot of open spots and a lot of new acts so i can't really remember i remember i saw marek larwood do a set there who uh marek's brilliant he was stand up for a long time in a sketch group called we are clang with greg davis and steve hall and he's very like uh over the top ridiculous grotesque stuff and i remember seeing him and absolutely killing myself laughing yeah but it was just the just the feeling of being in there and i remember i went up to the mc after one of the gigs and went how do i how do i have a go at this fantastic yeah and did you start to kind of I didn't right, do, or get involved. I didn't until until I'd gone to uni. So I went to Durham in the end and did comedy there yeah. and set up a stand up night there. Or was it intimidating to see such a variation of comedy at, at a young age, or was it inspirational? I, I always remember. I think I was only I was, I was seventeen or eighteen when I went to see Simon Munnery. Yeah, and it kind of for a while it ruined all other art. Sure, yeah. yeah. Like, why would I compromise in any way? Because he was just doing the most yeah. amazing, mind blowing stuff. And he had clearly complete control, complete freedom. Yeah, yeah. And then when you try and do anything in music, in in acting, in anything, yeah. you instantly have to compromise. Of in course, some way. yeah, yeah. But if you've seen someone like that, mm-hmm. particularly for a young mind, you'd be like, well, why would I compromise at all? I don't care if only w- one person sees it. So I think Munnery was that for me as well, yeah. weirdly, because I think all the comedy I really liked growing up and before I did comedy is completely different to the sort of thing. Yeah. That I do now. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Simon Munnery was a big thing for me. Dan Antopolsky as yeah. well, who was just incredible. I went to see him like every yeah. year in Edinburgh. I never saw him. He was another one that his name was always on that list yeah. of people. It's just just get in and see him. And Yeah, yeah. And proper bizarre stuff. Yeah. And yeah, totally in control of his own thing. And yeah. it's just his, his own world. But so different to what I, I just tell stories and stuff. Yeah, and yeah, about. yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. That but was it's that inspiration sort of and that spark, isn't it? So, so, so how did things start at, at Durham? And were you... Was it at Durham? Uh, were you with a few other comedians around that yeah, time? Yeah, yeah. So because I'm sure there's a load of you all kind there's of. There's a came few of us. From the yeah, same. 
and they've got they've got a bit of a history, Durham, but nothing yeah. like the nothing like the Footlights do for Cambridge yeah. or the Oxford Review or anything. Until you guys turned until up. we turned up and flipped the whole game on its head. <laughs> um, <laughs> so there, there is like a sketch group there called the Durham Review that, yeah. that I basically went to see in my first week of Durham and thought, okay, they're all right, but I can do better than this. Again, that's a kind of <laughs> it's one of the beautiful inspirations of. Of, of, of rap and punk rock music yeah totally. you go to yeah, it and yeah. love it but you also go to go yeah. I could do that yeah I could definitely and, and do that not in a disrespectful way yeah. you go to go this is achievable I, the first two gigs I went to were the, the Rolling Stones at Wembley yeah. with a giant snake breathing fire over yeah. the audience and you go to that and go I couldn't do that <laughs> that's not me yeah and the other one that's that's the same week was Offspring at Brixton Academy on yeah. the Smash Tour so yeah. before that gone too cheesy <laughs> and you see that and go no that I could do that I could see and myself doing that that's a beautiful inspiration isn't it because it's not again it's not insulting in any way but Man, it's motivating. I mean, I definitely don't feel that personally about rap music. I've, I don't think I've ever seen a rapper and gone, I think I've got some I've got some bars up my sleeve. Mate, I've got t- <laughs> 10 years out of it as a white kid from Essex. So I, I literally, thank you to Beastie Boys and, and all the other rap bands I saw in those early days and went, man, I could, I could do that. But yeah, so how was that to... Oh, who were you at, at Durham oh, so, when you started to make the, the so scene? So I did it for... I did Durham Review for a year... Uh, with a few other people and none of whom are doing comedy now but yeah. very talented but uh, so the, and then the year after that we got to audition people the new people coming in and right. two of the people we auditioned were Nish Kumar yep. and Tom Neenan and amazing Nish is obviously brilliant and doing amazingly as, well as this goes out last week's guest on the Distraction oh, Pieces podcast and yeah. he sat exactly there nice. so, so yeah um, and uh, and Tom Neenan is an incredible writer and performer does these amazing one man shows mm. and does a lot of writing for the Mash Report with Nish yeah he's yeah. been nominated for a BAFTA for the Mash Report so. it's amazing right yeah and rightfully so as well it's amazing talking to Nish about it because I kind of had to admit it took me a minute to get into the MASH report, and then when I got it, it was amazing. Yeah. And he quite quickly said, oh, no, it was shit at the start. <laughs> so, <but that> is <laughs> he was like, it took us a minute to get into Absolutely. it. We didn't know what we were doing. It Typical was- Nish. Yeah, yeah. Any opportunity to talk himself down. <laughs> it was perfect, because I was like, yeah, I didn't really get it at first. Like, well, we didn't really get it at first. We were feeling it out. It's and a new type of thing, of, right? Yeah, yeah. That's the beauty of, of having that moment. I'm reading – I swear I've, I've mentioned it in every podcast I've, I've recorded this week, but I'm reading um, – <laughs> A lot of acting stuff at the moment, and, and I'm reading um, David Mamet, who's, yeah. who's a playwright and director. And, and one of the things he talks about is you can spend years in acting schools, but that's all just trying to keep you in this system and trying yeah. to trade and make money and whatever else. Whereas you'll learn far more going up on stage and doing it, and yeah. going out and being part of it, and learning from the crowd and learning direct, not being told by some dusty old prick that you're yeah. good, being told. By the reaction of the audience, totally, that you're yeah. good, or that you're shit, yeah. And I loved kind of the story of the match report and a few other things like that, where the, the, there is that little bit of right. We've just got to go out there and figure it out. Yeah, we've kind of been th- th- thrown this opportunity. We could have gone. Oh no, we're not ready. Yeah, we'll come back in a bit. We'll plan, but no, it's better to go. All right, cool. Let's do it. Let's and jump it's good in. they had room to do that. Let's really, go there. Yeah, because it's so rare in telly now yeah. that that you get any room to be shit for a bit hundred <laughs> percent and I, I think on in performing in general mm. because of youtube and stuff like that I was, I was chatting with a spoken word artist i gigged with loads over the years polar bear and both of us stopped gigging ages ago and he's got three or four books out which are amazing and i'm doing all sorts of other bits and both of us were like part of the thing that puts us off coming back and doing a gig is 
oh, we'd have to get good again. Yeah. Because we spent years being shit, but no one was watching. Yeah. If we come back now, there's going to be an audience there, and they're going to want us to be good. And yeah, but I think you could. I don't know. I love that bit of it. That's yeah. what stand up is to me. Like making a new That's show kind of is the being stand up, right? Is you, you get can to be tour shit. it and try things out. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. And work in progress. Yeah. type things are. Yeah, totally. And thing. so you do you do a new material, like you do a work in progress thing. Yeah. No matter how long you've been going, if you're doing brand new material, a lot of it's going to be like very poor yeah uh, and i like i like being at that stage and i, I always panic that i'm never going to get it back that yeah. i'm never going to get a show together and then i'm at the stage where i'm at now where i'm touring it and every night where i do it i was like oh, all right yeah i can yeah <laughs> it's fine how are you as a work in progress guy because i I've, i remember i went to see two I, I love i love comedy and i went to see two work in progresses in the same night and one was simon amstel yeah and I think he's a genius. Yeah, yeah. It was a real work in progress. It was sure. a real, here's some ideas. Yeah. I throw things out. All right, well, that kind of works. That doesn't. It's a bizarre one because his whole persona is slightly awkward and uncomfortable. Yeah. So when you're actually doing new material <laughs> and are slightly awkward and uncomfortable, it's like, oh, right, this is a weird um, interaction. Yeah. But the other one that night, I was a Ramesh. Yeah. And I was like, in what in what way is this a work in progress? Because that was, <laughs> that was essentially the most polished stand-up yeah, show yeah, I've ever yeah, seen. And yeah. it was like... The, there is a difference in the way comedians approach totally. it, right? I know the, the, the American way is very much, or the traditional American way is very much just work the clubs, work yeah. in progress, just th- throwing ideas out. Here's yeah. a topic, go back and forth. But the, the British way, I think, because of the fringe and stuff like that at times, is a work in progress is here's the hour I've written, mm-hmm. now let's re- refine it and polish yeah. it. So where do you sit on the work in progress kind of seesaw? Well, I'm so, if I'm building a new show, I will have to do like just entire hours of new material a lot yeah. of the time or go to a new material night and do 10, 15 minutes of new stuff. Yeah. Because the American system always seems more sensible to me that because they're working the clubs and they're headlining clubs, then they need to do – they have their hour, but like 50 minutes of that will be stuff they've been doing for ages and it's super polished. And then yeah. they build in new stuff, then get rid of old stuff. So they've yeah, constantly yeah, got an hour, yeah, but it's yeah, in yeah. flux with new yeah. and old stuff. Whereas, yeah, quite often if you go to a – Edinburgh preview <laughs> yeah. in, in London, especially like around like April, May, you will see some absolute horseshit. Yeah. Because I'm quite apologetic when I do it as well. It's not Brilliant. a pleasant, it's not a pleasant experience. Yeah. It's not only me going, oh God, I knew this would be bad. I'm so yeah. sorry, everyone. <laughs> and don't let the, the you know, uh, uh, the size and smell of the small room above a pub, the, the, the performance is being done in fool you into thinking that's not exactly what you're getting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a very <laughs> rough... <laughs> It's exactly the right yeah, it's the location perfect, the, for most the of the, the most of yeah, progress. Exactly. <laughs> You're like, oh, this is a bit dingy, but you know, it's James Acaster. It's going to be pretty good. It's like you wait. Oh, you wait. No, his are. Oh, is it? Yeah. Yeah, he's fucking I ridiculous. Mean, that boy. I was going to talk about that because James, obviously, a, a mutual friend. In fact, this is a good point to mention that we're going to be doing a special podcast. Yes. You, me, and James. Oh, I'm excited about um, this. And this has come about from f- from me listening to Off Menu. And having been on, and James keeps mentioning his love of Ben and Jerry's. Yeah. And there's a few stories where he, on the way home from a party, he ate a whole tub and things yeah. like that. And I've been sitting there each time listening, thinking, "So where's the weird bit? Like, why yeah. is everyone sh- <laughs> shocked?" I've had weekends where, b- between f- Friday and Sunday lunchtime, I've eaten four or five tubs of Ben and Jerry's yeah. just w- without planning it. It's just happened casually. I mean, it annoys um, me so. You and James are both in like such a good shape as well. You see, the difference is about- I've I've now I think I'm a few years older than James, so I've now I work out constantly now because it is to to okay. to maintain my unhealthy lifestyle. 
But I then I I I text James after one of them saying. I could eat you under the table. That yeah. sounds really sexy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it really does. Are you about tonight? <laughs> I know there's, I special, on... there's special pub where they let you do that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just saying that you talk about ice cream a lot. I, was, I reckon I can eat more than you. And he was very cocky. Yeah. In, he was in, in, in full character, James. Yeah. Um, and then I, I shook him a little bit because I sent him a photo. I, I was the first person in the UK to be given a, a Ben & Jerry's gold card. Yeah. So in scoop shops, I just go in and show my card and I get free ice cream. Oh, man. Because be of so my, jealous. my legendary Ben & Jerry's status. And you guys have since been sent a load of stuff from Ben & Jerry's. We were. I mean, that it. is the highlight of his entire life, yeah. I think, being sent that It's stuff. amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. So what he suggested, I think he suggested it half, half joking. He said, oh, we should do a drunk cast, but with ice cream. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> we should do a drunk cast but ice cream. So what we need to decide now is what you, you're going to do during that. Because well, you speak on the podcast of being a big fan of wine. Oh, I So I was thinking wine. maybe we get you some really nice wines I'll just get to taste. Yeah. yeah. So you do the drunk cast. Because I, yeah. I do the drunk cast every, maybe a couple of times a year. And we just – the drunk casts are normally f- four or five hours of, m- of me and two of my mates getting yeah. drunk. We've done some wines where we had Ramesh on and yeah. Brett Goldstein on – a Ramesh on that one drunk a full bottle of Kraken in the first about 90 minutes. <laughs> and about three hours in, he was like, good luck editing this. And I revealed that we don't edit them. Amazing. And he spent at least half hour just panicking, furious I've ruined his career. <laughs> he was like, this is my career done. So I guess the plan will be m- m- me and James will have a challenge of how much – how many tubs of Ben and Jerry's we can, can eat, eat yeah, and, yeah. That, and how that affects us, how jittery we become. Yeah. And you'll just have s- s- some nice I'll wines some wine to get com- I'll commentate on, yeah. on how the ice cream eatings go. It's perfect, right? Yeah. Because my plan as well, I'd, I'd thought about it a lot, was I was going to also um, – because I think that at some point, the biggest episode of Off Menu is going to be when you guys give Do your our menu. menus, yeah. So the way – I was like, I'm not going to ask anything like that because that's unfair – but the way I was thinking, I might, I might get James to do his menu, but all of them are starters. Yeah, no, okay. no, all of them are desserts. Yeah, you yeah. to do all starters. Yeah, you're, okay. you, you, you're, you're a starter, mate. Yeah, so yeah. you've got to choose your starter starter, your yeah. main starter, <laughs> yeah, nice. your side starter, and your dessert starter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's got to choose his starter dessert, his main dessert, his Great. side dessert, and his dessert dessert. Which is really confusing sentence. But I, think <laughs> I can instantly think of my dessert one and my starter sure, one. So again, yeah, yeah, I think there's, yeah, I think there's something there. So yeah, we'll put that together. It'll be in a few months because all of us are very busy. But yeah, I'm, ve- I'm, I'm very really, excited I'm about very the, excited about that. The mess that can be. I'm thinking because I've been to visit the UK Ben and, J- and Jerry's headquarters. Yeah, and it's a little farm. So I'm thinking I might hit them up and say, "Can we come and do it there?" Right, and then we'll just. And I'll we'll just bring, figure it bring out. loads of wine with me. Yeah, you'll bring loads of wine with you. <laughs> anyway, I don't know how we got onto that. We've gone completely off track. Oh, no, that's what I was, was going to ask, because you work with James. Yeah. And you're a, a, about to do your special, um, uh, is it the Soho? No, uh, Leicester Square, Square Theatre. Leicester yeah. Square Theatre. Specials have changed massively over the years. Like, we're out yeah. of the era of the DVD special. Yes. We're out of the era of the Louis C.K. kind of do-it-on-your-own special. Yeah. And ask people if you can masturbate while you're doing it special <laughs> um and we're kind of out of the era of it goes on netflix and it's a hit special because there's so much on netflix so now as much, well yeah so it's such a very it's we're at a really weird point where the accessibility is like it's never been before yeah but almost the options are almost they're too, too confusing yeah yeah what well, netflix do. is basically just it's like when you could just put your own special on your website. Yeah. That's what Netflix is. Netflix is basically the internet. There's now. 
so, so, so many on there now. And one of the things I was going to ask about, and I hate to do this because me and Brett discussed it, but how tough is it to have someone who's a close friend who smashed it so hard with his three Netflix specials? Four. That, four, sorry, it's the competition. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're amazing, aren't they? And again, oh, amazing, I love yeah. to say nice things about James, <laughs> particularly when he's not here. Yeah. But this, this stunning, and particularly for UK, it's kind of a big deal, particularly at that point, to get a Netflix special. Yeah. And this dude came out and got four yeah. Netflix specials yeah, at yeah. once. And I've recommended to people, you need to, if you can watch them all in one night, that's yeah. ideal. Yeah, yeah. If you can watch them all in one in one week, then that's that's good yes. enough. But yeah, yeah. They're amazing. I mean, right? I was there for. I mean, I get tweets regularly going. Were you in the audience for yeah. all of those specials? And yeah, yeah I was. They're amazing. Aren't <laughs> you can they hear as well. me and Nish squeaking through the whole <laughs> yes. thing. Um, <clears throat> no, if it, it's great. Like I don't have. I have zero professional jealousy, especially when it Brilliant. comes to James. I yeah. mean, I, I, I'm not saying I have zero professional jealousy. I get it all the time, but I've learned yeah. to manage it and recognize it for how insane it is. Yeah, completely. Uh, and but never for James because yeah. I know I know him and I know how hard he works. He's just he's wonderful. Yeah, he's, he's just he works person. so hard. Yeah, and is such a singular talent that yeah, yeah you kind of got to go just give it up for that guy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's so good. Completely. So, so what's the plan? A plan with yours? You're filming too. Again, we'd kind of uh, we'd rush this podcasting because I was like, it'd be good to promote your special. Yeah, yeah. Pretty sure by the time it comes out. Both are going to be sold out. So yeah, I think it'll be, you know that's good news pop there, right? now again. But at least you know we're talking about how it exists. Yeah. So yeah. when it does come out, then people will, those uh, those will go watch it. So how kind of nervous slash exciting is it? Because you're doing two in one day. So uh, doing... Yeah, but it's yeah it's the same show yeah. twice, twice in one day. Yeah, uh, which will be great because I'm kind of not I'm not that nervous about doing it yet because. A large majority of it is the show that I'm touring at the moment. Yeah. So I'm match fit with you know that. know it, yeah, yeah, yeah. like yeah. I know it back to front and I'll be really loose with it. And then other stuff is... It becomes is, a relief then. Yeah. I, I, I remember I filmed my Edinburgh Fringe show the one year I did the Fringe and we hadn't planned to. I just got halfway through a 19-date run and it occurred to me, oh, this is never going to be as good as it is now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I need to get this, this yeah. recorded. Yeah, yeah, Because if I now rec- plan a special in two months... It's not going to be as good. I'm doing this every night, and it's yeah. fucking as good as it'll ever be. So the it worst is if you're trying to remember that you're it. Yeah, into this run. Yeah, and you can then go right now. I'm tw- I'm adding some parts, but yeah. yeah, and the parts that I'm adding are older bits that I've done a lot anyway. So yeah, yeah. and are fun to play around with. So. Yeah, no, it should be good. I'm just going to do 90 minutes straight through per it's show. Perfect. No interval. Just yeah. crack through it. It's a it's a great venue as 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 well. It's isn't my it? favourite. Such a nice place to venue of that size, less square theatre. It feels weirdly relaxing. I've I've yeah. done the podcast in there a few times, and and when I do the podcast live, I generally don't have a guest. I have yeah. the audience just come up and we have chats. Oh, cool. And that should be bags of pressure because yeah. you've got two hours to fill and you've got nothing <laughs> planned. But it's it's such a relaxing a place. The atmosphere of it, the crowds are always just yeah. I think great. it's something about the fact it's not. Like, there's just one level. Yeah. So it's not yeah. one of those, like, old Victorian, like, proscenium arch, point. like, three-tier yeah, yeah, yeah. things, you know. So they're not – which, they're great venues because they're on top of you, but they're still very close and intimate. But yeah. it's just sort of nicely spread out. It's, yeah. Yeah, it's a great venue. So what's the plan uh, release-wise? I'm not saying yet because they're still, not like, saying, yeah. sorting everything still out. F- but it'll, you know, hopefully out. available everywhere. It'll be out there. It'll be out there. Yeah. I love it. I, I, I watched um, a Brian Callan. I, I, I've always – 
been a fan of him on podcasts and I've never seen any of his stand-up, which again is the way with, with so many American comedians at yeah. the moment because everyone's on podcasts or got podcasts yeah. and you're like, I love that comedian. I've never seen any of his stand-up, <laughs> but I love him. And I watched his because because both of his were on Amazon Prime. And it was just, yeah, it's I love that there were, again, it was only a year or so ago, I'd say, if you weren't on Netflix. It was, yeah. for Americans, it was the, the new HBO. If you weren't on, if you yeah. didn't have an HBO special, then you failed in some way. Yeah. And I'd say a year or two ago, if you've not got your Netflix special, it feels like yeah. it's not. But within that year, instantly, because you've got Amazon and Hulu. and move and, on, isn't it? Yeah. yeah iTunes as yeah. well. We're making a big push in all those areas. Yeah. And yeah, I love it. So uh, let's rewind back to, to, to being at, at Durham. How was it to kind of start putting together comedy nights and putting together building a scene as such when you're starting off as well it's it's really it's really exciting and i would if when people ask me what to do to start doing comedy i always say if you're in somewhere like a university or you're you're in an educational institution you may as well just do it there because no one's watching yeah (laughs) you can just like like you were saying earlier you can you can get good you can be shit or you can yeah you just be terrible yeah and try everything as well just try every so Mm -hmm. I i was did sketch comedy, I did character comedy, I did stand up, I did all of it, and you know worked out what I was best at and sort of pursued one angle. But it's yeah, you can just be terrible. It's great to get to tr- tr- try so many forms and yeah. mediums at the same time as well, and yeah. see what because what Brit- works. the British industry comedy wise, I just don't, I, I don't think there's much opportunity to do loads of things. I yeah. think people tend to box you in quite yeah, quickly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because I always wanted to do like more acting stuff as well, yeah. Uh, and hopefully, we'll do at some point. Apart from the slight hurdle is that I'm terrible at auditions, yeah. but uh, but I think you know, once you're doing stand up, people think of you as the stand up. Yeah, so it's quite difficult. Yeah, to, yeah maybe go and it's do really more acting stuff unless you're playing yourself. It's great if you can, if 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 someone will just will put their faith in you. Yeah, if, totally. if you've yeah, got yeah. someone, and that's the beauty of the way. TV is at the moment. Mm-hmm. I think r- risks are being taken. F- things like, I mean, f- f- Fleabag seems like the, the obvious example at the yeah. moment because of just how amazing it's been yeah, and what yeah. a phenomenon it's been. Um, but there is more where people are going, I've got faith in you. And I mean, a Russian Connery and Ashlyn B have yeah. both got shows recently where it feels like a channel has put faith in them as a totally. creator, as yeah, an artist. Yeah. And that's where I think it's exciting for. Com- Mm-hmm. comedians and and the comedy scene because they're the people who will know you as more than just oh i've seen yeah. you be funny on stage or yeah. mock the week they'll know oh he's capable of, this is perfect for him so totally, yeah again it's timing on stuff like that as well i guess if someone if yeah, something comes up that works right. yeah because also i say that you get put in a box in britain but then kind of like being a stand-up as well sometimes people go oh well you can do that so you can definitely have a go at this you go no i'm not i've not i've not trained for any yeah. of this yeah yeah <laughs> like they do just assume you can do some other stuff as well i always love the mitch hedberg joke are we saying as soon as you get successful at comedy they ask you to write scripts and they ask you to act and it's like it's weird like you don't go to a restaurant and someone makes some really good food and you go this is is really tasty do you farm (laughs) (laughs) what no I don't farm I cook I'm a chef and then he was was saying about in an audition they're like so what's your your acting experience, and I can I can say this because Mitch is dead, so I'm not ruining his material yeah, yeah, or sure. killing, killing a live show. His next special, um, there's a bit where he's, he's done an audition. They're like, "I watch your acting experience." He's like, "Well, when I'm playing pool and I make a shot, 
um, I act like I meant it. Yeah. And again, that's his complete acting experience. It's like, that's perfect. But it is a weird one. There's that weird... It's, it's, yeah, it's a weird middle ground, isn't it? That there's yeah. an assumption that you can do everything else, but then often the things that you want to do, yeah. you're going, oh, no, not that. Oh, that's yeah. not for you. I think with acting as well, sometimes you just don't credit audiences with intelligence as if they're going to start watching a drama or something and then I've got a part in it and then they go, oh, that's the guy from What the Week has completely taken me out. Of yeah. It's like, yeah. no, they, they know what they're doing. Yeah. They know yeah. what they're watching. <laughs> they, they know it's written yeah, and acted. Yeah. <laughs> they know it's not a documentary. But yes... So that's a weird one, but it must have been good to, to get, as I said, to play in all those areas at university. Yeah. How was it then to kind of, I guess, take off the safety wheels and, 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 and go into the big wide world as, well, as I, comedians? My, me- my memory of it is that I, I think I've always just sort of blundered through life quite a lot. I worry <laughs> about stuff way more now. Yeah. Like if I had – my, like my brain now if that was in my head when I left university I don't think I'd be a comedian because yeah. I just left and thought well I'll keep doing that it'll probably be, probably be alright be fine I'll get another I'll get a job you know just vaguely like and I, my parents live in London and stuff so I just stayed with my mum for ages yeah. so very lucky very yeah. privileged in every sense uh, and then just sort of blundered through and ended up doing it as a job Yeah, I think I always had it in my mind that I wanted to do it as a job but you know, I, there was no worry. There was no like, but what if this doesn't happen? It's like, ah, yeah, might do. It might feels not. like it must have been kind of around the time that comedy was having a second kind of a resurgence in the UK. Yeah. It seemed like there was more of a scene and not just in London. Yeah. There was comedy scenes blowing up in Newcastle, Newcastle. In Manchester. So in, Newcastle sort of where, the place. yeah, so because I was at Uni in Durham, when yeah. I started doing stand-up at uni, like if I wanted to go and do gigs yeah. outside of the university sort of yeah. bubble, just, yeah, got, got to Newcastle. Because Dave Johns had his stuff up there and there'd, yeah. there'd be loads of different things loads, going on there. Loads, of, yeah. loads of clubs, loads of, me and Nish both really sort of did quite a lot of formative gigs at a pub called The Dog and Parrot. Yes. There was a gig called Long Live Comedy at The Dog and Parrot. Um, and my mate, I used to own that pub. Oh, that really? Pub. We, at one point, when we had a gig cancelled in Newcastle last minute, we did a big tweet and big all, all over social media saying, look, the promoter has pulled the gig. It's out of our hands, but yeah. we've got hotels booked. So do you want to all just meet in the Dog and Parrot yeah. and we'll just have a drink? And we had hundreds of our fans oh, turn nice. up and we all just had a drink. Great. And, and my mate Sam who ran it would, would hook a few of them up, but still he made some good money as, as well on the night. And oh, we had brilliant. a lock-in and it was, yeah. It was yeah. Great. I know that. I've got fond, that, that fond, memory, well. fond memories of the Dog and Parrot. The little upstairs room. I, I'd, yeah, my that's spoke, where the gig I, was. I went there on my spoken word tour as well. And it was, at that point, every other venue on the tour was... Four or five hundred plus, yeah. and some up to a thousand, and then the dog and parrot was like <laughs> fifty, yeah. maybe sixty. Yeah, it's a, it's a really small room. Yeah, yeah. So I got really fond memories of uh, of Newcastle as a place to gig. Yeah. yeah, that's great. So when did it kind of, or when did you feel that you didn't have to be thinking about, oh, I'll, I can get another job, I can get this and that, like this is a career, I can make s- s- something of this. Oh, I, don't, I don't know if I it, have you it, felt it yet? No, I was, <laughs> was going to say I don't. <laughs> Probably, if it has happened, maybe in the last six months. When do you think you'll feel that you can... (laughs) I mean, obviously, I constantly now live in fear that everything's going to be pulled out from under me. Yeah. But, uh, no, I think... I don't think ever... I don't think that that realisation ever really happens. Yeah. Like, there's not one moment that I can pinpoint where it's like, okay, I'm doing it. I guess guess I've made it. I guess this is my career now. Yeah. It doesn't feel like a career. Yeah. (laughs) Because you just do so many different things and it's so... You're doing it for nothing for so long. And doing, I think I come to little realizations along the way where I think, like any self-employed person, you get to the point where you're like, okay, 
this offer's come in, but I'm not I'm not doing that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> you just yeah. go, it's not worth anyone's while for me to travel there, travel yeah. back yeah. for that money. And then I think it's, it's those sorts of realisations that you come to along the way. That's the ideal position to yeah. be in, right? Particularly as a comedian where where you're a jobbing comedian, there's a long time where you have to just take every gig because you never yeah. – or, or you need the stage time yeah. for one and you never know what that gig will be. Yeah. The ideal part for any comedian, I think, is to be able to pick the ones that you can yes, enjoy exactly. and not have to do the Friday night one that there's going to be loads of hen parties mm-hmm. and drunk people who aren't – you're not really going to learn much there no. other than survival. Yeah. <laughs> That's, Which you hope isn't a, a, a tool you have to call upon t- yeah. too often if you're doing your own shows. It's it's survival and then just sometimes I'll do a gig just because I've not done that sort of gig before and I'd like yeah. to add it to the list of things that I've done. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I think that's that's as close as I've come to realisation is being able to go like, no, that's that's not for me this yeah, one. Yeah, I'll pass I still that. feel guilty every time that yeah. happens. Yeah. Like, I still feel like, why so, am I oh, turning stuff who's down? Who's a big shot yeah, now? Who's this guy? <laughs> <laughs> Hello. <laughs> um, we touched upon a mock the week. How is that to have been? Because I'd, I'd imagine that's the first place I became pr- pr- properly aw- aware of you and, yeah. and hearing your your style and approach. How is that kind of thing to be part of? Because I think there's some really good panel shows and stuff on TV these yeah. days. I speak all the time about your Taskmasters yeah. and now um, I've forgotten the name of James and, 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 and Josh's one, Hypothetical. Yeah. Um, but it's a weird one because the thing that always comes to mind for me is I really like a, a, a Sean Locke's stand-up. Mm-hmm. I've, I've seen him once or twice. I've yeah. got his DVDs. But there's nowhere I like him more than on 8 out of 10 yeah, yeah. So It's that weird thing of he's great as a stand-up, but in that he seems to have just found this place that yes. his tone, his style, his approach is just perfect. Yes. How do you find the balance on things like, I like that? Because you really suit Mock the Week really oh, well. It well, seems like it. a really good spot for you, a really yeah. good uh, – uh, sometimes – when comedians are on some of these shows, obviously you're a regular, so it's going to be more relaxed. But sometimes it feels that they're a little bit uncomfortable and it's not really a what they do. It's not yeah. their style. Yeah, yeah. And you s- seem like something that's completely I, at home no, there and you get to just it. enjoy it, right? Yeah, it's 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 a weird one because I never thought I'd get to do that show at yeah. all because I you know, grew up with Mock of the Week, yeah. really. And it's a completely different show now to what it, yeah. to what it used to be. It really is. So it was so like it – used. it was great, but it was like Frankie and Russell uh, just like yeah. drilling stuff. Like they'd just yeah. be like bam, bam, bam. And it's so, it was looked like such an intense recording by all accounts was. Yeah. Um, but now – forget, I forget that Frankie was – that's one of the places he made his name. Oh, man, yeah. Just so harsh on him. And it's a beautiful thing because – He's one of the nicest guys I've ever met. And one of the I've, most no, I've, spoken. I've never met him. I, I had him on the podcast. He was just so calm. And I've heard him on a few other podcasts. Yeah. And I love his – you expect him to be Mr. Offensive. And his, he's got a philosophy behind all of it. He's yeah. got this outlook. Yeah, yeah. Yet again, you kind of – yeah, I'd forgotten that before you knew a wider thing of him, he was on there just saying the most outrageous <laughs> shit. It's like, well, that's going to be in the papers tomorrow, yeah, obviously. Yeah. It's amazing. It's you know, it is that. It's like it's like with metal bands as well. The, yeah. the people who make the most horrible noise. Yeah, yeah. Uh, within what they do, and then you meet them, and they're just the most gentle, hey, man. nice people. Uh, yeah, I'm really Yeah, yeah. So that I I grew up watching that, but I never thought I never thought it was my sort of thing. And it's such a big thing to do, especially for someone of my age. Um, and when I got the call to be on it, it's it's terrifying. Yeah. But now it's a completely different show. I was going to say, so how loose. has it been to be part of kind of the transition of it or the evolution of it? Because, again, it, I genuinely, 
it didn't occur to me until I was, I was having a similar discussion about yeah. how it's changed. I must have got the pun, but I hadn't thought of the fact that mock the week is mock. It, it, yeah. It, it, it could be you're mocking the week. And it, it could felt, be, yeah. In the early days, it felt like that. It yeah, was like, yeah, yeah. He is someone that Frankie has got all the weapons in the world yeah. and he is going to attack this person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they're going <laughs> to, Russell's going to go at this person. It yeah. was like, and now it's not any of that. It's it is it's it's mocking everything. It's not yeah. gone PC. It's not any of that silliness. It's just genuine, interesting, yeah. comedic discussion yeah. of the of, of the news. And it feels like it's it's not just trying to get your punchline in. No, definitely it's, not. It's more There's... here's what's going on, and isn't this ridiculous? And making jokes, and it's not. Oh, that's a good news story. I've got the punchline. Yeah, camera on Frankie. Cameron, whomever yeah, else. A, yeah, so I think what's good about it is um, it's now there's a lot more building in the records now. So right. I think it's always been a very long record. I think mm. it's like, it can be like two and a half, three hours sometimes. And I can't imagine what that was like when they were just like hammering punchlines yeah. home because they would have been doing yeah. that for three hours and the audience would have been knackered. There's a lot more. It feels collaborative. And yeah. We build That's stuff cool. and there's running jokes and things like that. And it's a bit, a lot more banter. It's a, pl- it's a pleasure that was, to be part of. That was run the shows that for a period had a bit of a negative reputation oh, for, for people rep. being a guest on there, feeling yeah. that, that you're, you're, everyone is just trying to outshine you or yeah. shout over you. And it, it, it wasn't known as a very welcoming place. And again, I guarantee, or I would imagine that wasn't through anyone's intention or no. planning. It's no, just, not at all. if you're the guys on it and you feel you've got to deliver every week, yeah, totally. it's going to be more, they've got the pressure on them yeah. and they're trying to deliver and they're not thinking about, well, can this person who's here for one episode, let's give them some space. You, yeah. You're going to be thinking, it's my duty to come with 12 that's lines. The, yeah, that's the, rep, that's the rep it's got. But you're right. That's just because that's the sort of, that's the sort of show it was. And they, yeah. were, they, they, had to, they were doing their job. Yeah. Um, but now I think it's still sort of weirdly got that rep that's hung, it's sort of hung around from that. Yeah. But, so there's, the new comics are always a little bit tense about it and yeah. about getting a word in edgewise. And you just think you, you'd be all right with yeah. Will let you let you do your thing. Dara's yeah. amazing at throwing to people. Yeah, if you think someone's not said enough. Again, or, I mean, you know. this is completely just a James Acaster appreciation thing. When <laughs> I've, I, I was watching one the other week, and he was on it was one of his early appearances, and just he had the perfect technique of just talking slowly, yeah, unimpactfully, yeah, and weirdly. And it just left everyone. There was just it was a rare bit of editing where they just left a moment of everyone kind of going. Oh, all right. He just said that. I don't really know what's going on. It was the perfect way of rather than trying to be, here's my quick line, bang. Yeah. Everyone laughed. Because, again, also the reason those shows have that kind of rep is the crowd are used to the regular comedians. Yeah. So they're going to be primed yeah. to laugh at their stuff more and not through any uh, manipulation. And yeah, like yeah. It's just That's just the way yeah, it is. Yeah, exactly. So, so with the, the first episode you do, they always say it'll take it'll take you a while. And quite often the first episode you do, you get to do the stand-up round in the middle. Yeah. Uh, and the advice I got was they might not go for everything you say until you do the stand-up. Yeah. When you get to prove yourself and you yeah. say, this is what I do, this is my voice, there's no one else talking, this yeah. is just what I do. And then they're keyed into it and then for the rest of the episode it'll be fine. It's mad, isn't it? It's yeah. mad how all that works because it's... It's not contrived or controlled at all. It's no. just looking at the way a human nature is in such an unusual situation. Yeah. It's such a weird situation that there's a load of people watching a small selection of people yeah. kind of 
subconsciously battle for their approval. Yeah, and it is subconscious. Audiences don't know what they're doing no. doing a lot of the time. No. It's not what audiences would say if so. If you go and do the stand up round and then they start laughing at your other stuff more, they'll be like, "Oh, your stuff in the second half was way funnier than the stuff in the first half." It's like, no, I could have swapped them around. You would yeah. have given them the exact same reaction. And I love that. I always remember seeing Stuart Lee talk about. I think Stuart Lee and I've seen um, Anthony Jeselnik touch on it as well. Just saying to an audience in their in their acerbic characters, kind yeah. of saying that last bit was incredibly funny. Um, <laughs> I've been to a lot more gigs than you. Yeah. I know comedy. I know that was funny. You you've not appreciated it, but that's kind of on you. Yeah. That's your fault. That's your ignorance to how comedy works, yeah. how structures work. And it's a similar thing there. You can head and go. Yeah. No, I know the first half was as funny. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. just subconsciously you're, you're used not, to me now. Yeah. Yeah. You're used to me now. I'm now I'm now familiar, and you feel relaxed, and yeah. you're. Again, that's the beautiful thing of of comedy when it's a crowd who have come for a comedian rather than a crowd that have come for a night out. Yeah. Is they come out. It's a thing I have a, a bit of advice I got on castings. Yeah. So this might help you if you're bad yeah, at them. Go if you on, feel, yeah. Um, was someone just pointed out that their day is made easier. Yes. If you get the job. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's what they want. So they're on your side. You yeah. kind of go into it first thinking, oh, I'm up against everyone. This is horrible. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. Like, no, they really, if you go in and do it, and they go, yeah, perfect. Yeah. That's that done. Yeah, of course. On to yeah. the next one. It's a positive thing. And similarly with crowds who've come to see a comedian, they've got a babysitter. They've done this, yeah. they've done oh, that. They, want, they, they really want, want to laugh. Yeah. They really want to laugh. So as long as you go out there and, and do it yeah. and are aware of that, that but if it's people on a night out, then they're more... Well, coming in, yeah, you're make you're, me laugh. You're interrupting come, our come night on. out. We would have entertain been on night out anyway. Come on, yeah. <laughs> it's a bizarre one, uh, but yes. So, is, do you have to find a balance between p- p- pushing for more panelist type, type stuff and and focusing on on stand up, which is the one that you're in complete control of? Yeah, totally. I think doing things like Mot the Week and any TV shows is nice when it comes along, but the main aim is. It's good to get more people in uh-huh. to come and see you live. Like that's the Completely, yeah. that's what it's for. I think it's probably quite easy to get lost in getting obsessed with doing as many TV shows as possible. And yeah. but that's not the that's not the aim. That's the. It's such a mad cyclical world, isn't it? Because in in the music industry, I was kind of doing music in the period where you'd do a tour to promote your album. And then I was also in the period where it kind of transitioned that the yeah. album was to promote your tour because yeah. that's where you started to make the money. Yeah, yeah. And the comedy scene is weirdly cyclical. I like that because for a long time it felt like the fringe was to get the attention of TV and radio yeah. execs to get a show so that you can get on TV and then that will make more people come to your show. Yeah. It's like, well, you were doing the show. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's such a weird thing that you're doing the show to get on TV, then you're doing TV to get on the show. And then you get more people at the Fringe the year after. Yeah, and it's and like to get just... on TV. It's like, this is such a weird... Yeah. It's, which one's the actual fucking aim? Yeah, They're I all mean, it's trying to feed each all, other. It's... All feeds each other. It's all lumped together. But I think my aim was always, as a stand-up, yeah. to be able to do good-sized rooms on tour yeah. and do, like, theatres on tour, which yeah. is just, you know, happening over the last couple of years, which is which is great. Yeah, that's fantastic. You know, and any, t- any TV I do now is exciting if it's something I enjoy. Again, there's, you know, things come in and you go, I don't think I'd be good on this because I won't enjoy it. If I yeah. know I'm not going to enjoy it, there's no point in me doing it for any of us involved. Completely. Because I'm not going to throw myself, I'm not going to throw myself into it. I love shit like that. It's finding the right thing for you and realising the right thing for you is what will get you attention and praise. I always remember with, in the music industry as well, the 
the goal was to be get daytime play on Radio yeah. One. Radio One air airtime in in the day, and it took me an hour or two to realise if I get my song in a good slot on Zane Lowe's evening show, yeah, there's less listeners than daytime, but mm-hmm. they're the right crowd. Yes, yeah, yeah. If I'm, I remember the first time at our shout, or it was, it was playlisted, so it had to be on every daytime show. And one time it was in between, I think Girls Aloud and some random one-off pop dance yeah. thing, and it's like. We've probably ruined someone's afternoon. Yeah. They were really enjoying everything. And then some preachy, ranty guys going, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's not going to help much. Yeah, it's that's... better to be in, to get that maybe smaller exposure in the right place yeah. than bigger exposure in the wrong place. Yeah. I think, yeah, because I've done, I've done shows in the past that weren't necessarily my sort of thing or yeah. presented to the, the audience that would enjoy what I do anyway. Yeah. And you just think, I've watched it back and gone, you don't look that's like you want to be there. Yeah, yeah. So they're not going to go, oh, this guy's great because... You know, no no one's enjoying that. No, no. So it's, it's a just terrible about, exchange. I think you've got to be you've got to be a bit a bit selective. Yeah. As to what what you actually enjoy. Yeah. yeah. Have you felt with the kind of still happening influence and power of 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 the podcasting world? Because it does feel that that's now a new platform. Yeah. If you've got a podcast that's going well and off menu is going very well. Yeah, yeah. Well, it seems to have blown up really quickly. We were we were surprised. I it's think getting, it's, it's it's fantastic. It's getting a lot of love. It's getting a lot of attention, and that can start to influence. Again, I I think America's a good example there again because podcasting was big over there before it kind of mm-hmm. broke over here. And there's comedians over there. You look at your Joe Rogans and 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 Mark Marins even and people like that. They have doubled, tr- tripled, yeah. quadrupled the size of crowds that they're yeah, playing yeah. to, and it's largely because of their because podcasts of the podcast, that have yeah. let people get to know them a bit I guess and then they go oh I'd like to hear and it's weird because you're not doing like on off menu you're not do- doing any of your stand up it's not one yeah. of them shows where yeah, it's yeah. you can s- segue into a bit yeah. you're talking about food it's completely yeah, yeah. different from but although both me and James have a lot of routines about food to yeah. be fair like yeah. I've, <laughs> I did a show in uh, maybe three years ago that was uh, they had a 40 minute routine about cauliflower pizza in it brilliant and James Brilliant. has had a food routine in every show. I've done halloumi material, so I think we've we've definitely yeah. got a background in that. I reckon yeah. I could get some stand-up material out of the <laughs> off-menu discussions for sure. But it must be good to, to 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 have something that you can do again. That I mean, you clearly enjoy. Yeah, clearly have real fun doing. But it is good for promoting everything. It's good platform, and it yeah, it, there seems to be no negative. It seems to benefit exactly. in every way. And it's your own. It doesn't feel like, yeah, but it's like you said, we enjoy it. So, and it uh, no point feels like oh, we're going to go and do this for, it's not like doing press. Yeah. It doesn't feel yeah. like you're doing promotion. Completely. Like, it, and you know, like coming in to speak to you, going yeah. on other, other podcasts and stuff. It's just fun, isn't it? It tends to be good fun. It's such a good little world that's built that, again, it's exciting because it's out of the control of the controllers yeah. as, as such. Yeah, I yeah. always think if I ever did return to music, It'd be a different ball game because yeah. the previous pr- pr- press r- runs that you have to do that are laborious and not, it's like I can just hit up all my mates who are podcasters mm-hmm. now. If totally. I was to do another album, yeah. I could go on some huge places that's just my friends that I would enjoy. Yeah, and it not be you got to do this in the morning, then you got to go and do this one, and it's all yeah. all shit. It's it's mad how I think the yeah a couple changed. of a couple of guests we've had on have said that. You know they do a good op- a good episode of Off Menu, and then suddenly, 
they'd see a rise in ticket sales yeah. like more than if they did some like regional yeah. press or stuff like that. And it's great, yeah, isn't it? And it's fun. And yeah. you, you don't, yeah. Like I did a podcast years ago, back when. So it's probably post Gervais, yeah, but pretty quickly after Gervais. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah, probably yeah. like 2009, yeah, I would yeah. say. So we did. I did a podcast with a guy called Ian Boldsworth. Yes. Um, for years, we did the Ray Peacock podcast and then Peacock and Gamble podcast, uh, and then stopped doing it. And so I've come back to it a few years later, and yeah. it's completely changed. Like everyone's everyone's got one, yeah. But also, it's a massive market, yeah. Like also, you can make some money, which is yeah. uh, we never thought that would happen. That's the mind blowing part of it. That yeah, I earn. I probably I probably earn as much off my podcast because it's every week, yeah. As I would have from doing a one tour a year or yeah. a couple of tours and things like that. And it's like, that's ideal because that yeah. means, I, number one, again, I just get to have cool conversations yeah. with people I like. And they're arranged as we were, just, yeah, just, just send you a message. Yeah, go, yeah, like, yeah like, all right, I'm about Thursday. There's no to her, mate, and big fine, drama yeah. <laughs> over it. Um, how much do you enjoy um, – I mean, I mean directly on the podcast, but I guess in life as well. How much do you enjoy James just getting really angry? Oh, I love it. Because the, the, the – obviously – the Joel episode. Yes. and But the one that got me more was, as I said, the Victoria... Yeah, uh, that Victoria was great. Mitchell one, just recently. Man, it was so good just seeing him getting angrier and angrier at her food because choices. Because it built. The, the good thing about that was with Joel... And her being so nice and lovely, because I'd seen oh, her on a few... Was... All I'd, I'd seen her on... The main thing I'd seen her on was her game show... Mm. Where she's quite strict yeah. and stern, so I didn't I didn't know her as a person, and she was absolutely lovely, yeah, and kind of almost apologetic for James being so furious at her food <laughs> choices, and that must be a lot of fun, right? Because I know as well, n- n- knowing James, you know, you're, you're performing, yeah, he's angry. About oh no, that. he was genuinely he's, angry he's genuinely about annoyed that. with Joel. So Joel <laughs> Domit had a terrible menu as well. Yes, but we both know Joel really well, yeah. so we immediately laid into him. I thoroughly enjoyed that because, again, I'm a bit of a, a, a fitness guy these days. Yeah, um, are, you a, are you a CrossFit guy as well? Yeah, I'm a CrossFit guy. Right. I'm, I'm into my, my protein shakes. Sure, and stuff like yeah, that but bit. you wouldn't have it on your dream menu. I wouldn't. I didn't have it on my dream <laughs> menu, as you saw. I had pizza and ice cream mainly. Um, I wanted to pick him up because it's a common myth. That um, sweet potato and potato actually, because the myth originally was that, that sweet potato is a lot hev- healthier. a lot healthier. Yeah, yeah. And then the new kind of the woke community were like, no, they're actually exactly the same measurements, right. but they have got the same on paper. But for example, there's good carbs and there's bad carbs, right. and there's yeah, good yeah. sugars and there's bad sugars. And a sweet potato, although it may have the same sugars, it's higher in the good sugars than the bad sugars. So if you can let Joel know no, will, that absolutely. it's slightly, off. I know it because I went down that same route as well, and then got kind of educated <laughs> by someone else. That is, it's not quite as simple as that. Have you had um, Joel? Have you had Joel on the podcast? I haven't. I haven't. Well, why don't you have him on and do a sweet potato I don't special? Think I've, I, I, I think I might have. Right, this is a weird one. I think it was Joel years ago. Is while I was doing a, a music, I got asked to come in and audition as a presenter, right? For a few, for a, a PlayStation channel that they okay. were launching, and Carl Donnelly was there. Yeah, and that's the first time I met Carl, and he was great. And in my head, I think Joel was there, but I've not seen or met him since. I've seen him at things that we don't know each other. So I was yeah. like, do we know each other or not? Um, and I always remember that I didn't get the thing because we had a, a little bit. I was dead proud of this. We had yeah. a little bit where they was like. Pretend you're in. They'd pair you with a girl each time. Okay. Um, and they'd say, "Pretend 
are you, are you interviewing this current pop star? And they gave me, they said, pretend you're interviewing a VV Brown. And I said, <laughs> James Brown, Bobby Brown, Chris Brown, VV Brown. Have you ever domestically abused a partner? Because <laughs> oh, it's just a weird coincidence that all the Browns in the music industry, the surname Brown, sorry, this isn't any racial, that's, that's not anything that's offensive there. And I thought that was a really good little... But sure. it was for a kind of pop world type thing, which yeah, that wouldn't have I, worked nicely. I, I don't think you can have the opening list here about <laughs> domestic abuse, can I you? I didn't get the gig. <laughs> I didn't get the gig. But yeah, the Joel Dorrit one was absolutely amazing because, again, yeah. it was similar to the Victoria Coromitra one because he was also completely unaware that that was an outrageous choice of a yeah. menu. His whole menu was completely unacceptable, even as someone who's a fan of a lot of healthy stuff and things like that. Yeah. And he was just... It felt like he didn't come in to antagonise in any way. He didn't. He, he never does. He's the loveliest man. So he didn't come in to antagonise. His face was a picture because he looked surprised that we were angry at him. Yeah. But that was easy because we know Joel. We always take the piss out of him. Yeah. We like, get angry with him on a regular basis because he doesn't get angry. He's not an angry yeah. man at all. Um, and at the end of the day, he wins because yeah. his, his body is phenomenal. He looks, he looks so, absolutely so amazing. So you can get as angry as you like about his choices yeah. and then all he has to do is whip his shirt off and go, yeah. see you later, guys. Yeah. <laughs> I saw him the you other day. You won this time, you swine. I saw him the other day and he'd just been for a facial. And honestly, he just looked like a painting. I was like, you fucking kidding me? Look at you. I love it. Um, I love it. But with Victoria, neither of us, like, I- I'd not met her before. Right. James had met her a couple of times. She'd been on Hypothetical and done yeah. another TV show with him, maybe. So yes. they know each other, but not well enough for him to immediately come flying out the gate and go, what the fuck are you talking about? That was the beauty of it. So it, it meant just it built, built and built and built and built. And by the end, he had his head in his hands. And I'm, you can hear me. Like, obviously, I don't like her menu at all. Yeah. Like, it's, if it's a dream menu, it's very bland for a dream yeah. menu. But you can hear me going, oh, I think that sounds lovely, Victoria. Yeah, you, 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 lovely you rice, do, a rice pudding. You do very much play good cop, bad genie. Um, <laughs> In in, in in that podcast, um, but yeah, it was the, the the beauty there was the politeness that it built and built, and then, and then when he had to reread the menu, the fact that she'd gone for tap water at the start, which at the yeah. start I was the same. I was like, it's yeah. no big deal. I yeah. go for tap water a lot. But when you've then chosen a ploughman's and rice pudding, then it's like the tap water was yeah. the breaking point. It's like, how dare you? Choose? It is honestly. Now you run through with tap water as well. It's. It's like we asked her to pick her last meal on death row and she picked what was on the prison menu anyway. Yeah, yeah. I'll just take whatever you've got. Uh, whatever you've got. Plowman's lovely, yeah. <laughs> I love it. So so what's ahead? I'll, I'll start to, uh, to wrap things up. You've got – are you recording your special? Yeah. Um, is the tour continuing after that? Is it a new yeah. tour? No, it's, it's a weird same. one. I, I never know where the fringe – the, the fringe seems to exist outside of the rest of the comedy scene. It yeah. seems to be – the fringe is its own thing, and then yeah. there's tours around it. There's tours within it. There's yeah. tours climbing over it. It go, so this I'm doing it a bit weirdly this time. So normally what I do is do the fringe in August, yes, then tour uh, autumn, yeah, and then write a new show for the fringe uh, in building up to August. But I'm taking my first year off the fringe. Are you since. delighted? I'm very very excited because yeah, the last year off I had was 2010, yeah, and before that. I, I did 2004 to 2010, then 2011 to 2018. It's a weird one for comedians yeah. and fringe, isn't it? Because it is this this poison ch- 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 chalice of mm. sorts. Because it annoys people a bit. Like, or Brett Goldstein's an example. Because 
I adore the fringe, but mm-hmm. I've only done it once yeah. and I was already established. So yeah. I had a really good time. I had <laughs> 19 sold out shows. It went really well. Everyone said nice things about it. And I was like, this fringe lark is delightful, best. isn't it? But for everyone, it is the home of, you know, the highest highs and the lowest lows yeah. in, in the comedy world. If it goes well, my God, it feels uh-huh. e- euphoric. But if it goes bad, it's the most lonely place in the world because you're so and, far away from everything and you're throwing money at it. And, mm-hmm. and both sorts. will happen. Yeah. Like there's, you're there for a month. Yeah. So you definitely will have the highest highs and the lowest yeah. lows. Yeah. So it's a, it's a tricky month, but I, I, I don't mind it as much as other people do. Yeah. But uh, I just decided to try and squeeze every audience member out of this tour as possible this time. Perfect. So I'm, I toured it in the spring. I'm filming the special because the special came around relatively recently. We'd already yeah. booked an extension for the tour. Cool. So I'm doing the special. Then I'm doing more tour September to December. Great. And then I'd imagine write, writing a new one for yeah. tw- 2020. 2020, yeah. yeah. That's scary, isn't it? That yeah. That's, that that's on its way. But exciting as well, because I love getting to the point where you're like, oh, I did get a show seemingly out of nothing. Yeah. So, yeah. I love that. And it, again, it must be good, yeah, to get to just push that through without having the impending sh- shadow of the fringe yeah. hanging over and then know that you can just focus on it and do it really well and get yeah. the special, get m- more shows and then start to think about that. It exactly, must be nice. Yeah. I think it... I think almost mentally it should be mandatory yeah. that you're only allowed – I like Glastonbury always as a year off every four years. years. Yeah, there should be a fallow year for all comedians. For I think they should brains. look and go, yeah. <laughs> no, you've done the last four. We can't take you this year. Yeah, that, exactly. Okay, yeah. thank you. That would be good, a crop rotation system for the mind. <laughs> it works. It makes sense. Well, uh, uh, where can people keep up to date on – on your tour and on what's going to happen with the special and all that kind of thing. All social media stuff uh, at Ed Gamble Comedy on uh, Twitter and Instagram and my website edgamble.co.uk. And, and the off-menu socials. Oh is, yeah, is decent, that's, isn't and it? that's they all do, our producer, the great Benito. So he does good stuff there. Yeah. And he puts out the content, and there's also I assume it's a fan, but there's a fan that does out of context off-menu yes. quotes, and they crack me up. I see them They're all the time. Great. They're just yeah. brilliant, just some random... It's normally things I've forgotten have been said as well. Completely. Yeah. And that, that makes it seem comp- <laughs> like the most bizarre podcast in the world. But in yeah. context, I didn't bat an eyelid. Um, well, thank you very much. Thanks it's for having me, man. It's been an pleasure, and it's flown by. Really fun. Thank you. Cheers. You've been listening to Scroobius Pip's Distraction Pieces. There we go. That was Ed Gamble. You should all go and see his show on May 12th. You should all go and see the tour that comes after it. But also, you should all go to social media immediately, if you haven't already, and get very excited towards me, towards James Acaster, towards Ed Gamble, and, I mean, potentially towards Ben and Jerry's, about the ice cream drunk cast that we're going to record because now that we've said it out loud on record, now we have to do it. It's one like you, you, you may or may not know, but there's so much stuff that podcasters and comedians and all sorts have these all these plans privately that you then get get busy. All of us have busy, weird, unusual sh- sh- schedules. Um, but yeah, now we've said it out loud. You guys can hold us to it, can berate us. If you're tagging Ben and Jerry's, tag Ben and Jerry's UK. Um, cause they're gonna, 
have to put up with a lot of 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 illness probably from from me and James from um eating ourselves into a a sugar coma um but yeah thank you for tuning in i i said i'd mention pod bible pod bible is go, go on the socials and have a look there's there's a, a blog at pod bible mag.com and the magazine itself and i'm really proud to be involved in it it's a really good podcast platform and, and magazine for shouting about new stuff reminding you of old stuff and just generally yeah helping you all out there my club night is back end of the month may 25th we've just confirmed doc brown as our dj our guest dj previous guest of the podcast and previous guest down at the book club um he did an amazing set and we've been dying to have him back um so yeah that's may 25th i'd like to see you all there that's at the book club. It's, it's We Are Lizards. I will be donning a rubber lizard mask and spinning some tunes and sweating and getting drunk. Um, yeah. Other than that, I will see you all next week. I've got two next week. In fact, next week's main episode is one that I've been hyping for a while. It's the Tim Clare episode. It's one of my favourite conversations I've had. And Tim and I know he may not be the biggest name ever, but honestly, you're really going to enjoy it. I really urge you to listen to that one because it's... Yeah, it gets w- weirdly personal. It gets wonderfully informative, inspirational and educational. And yeah, I think you'll like it. And then there's going to be a bonus one next Sunday. But I'm not going to tell you about that. Um, I might tell you next week about it, but um, I won't tell you about it now. Um, yeah, all right. I will see you all next week. Have fun. Be good to yourselves and each other. Ta-ta.